Welcome back to the Everything is Lessons podcast, an inventory of wisdom. I'm your host, Ryan Curlbaum. Thanks so much for joining this week as we go back to back uh, in preparation for the holidays and the new year. Episode five is a special one. I alluded to it last week, but this is a a couple episode, uh, two lessons, one podcast. Get ready for it. It's going to be, uh, it's just an amazing conversation. We have two uh, great friends of mine who I've known for a long time today, Tessa Hathorne, who I went to architecture school with 22 years ago. Yikes. Uh, But since that time, we have grown incredibly close, balancing life and kids and work, uh, despite our our current geographic distance. And her husband, Tobias Hathorne, uh, came along a little later. Uh, in our journey, but is the best spouse and friend you could ever ask for. Funny and creative and talented. Together, they they form a dynamic and authentic and loving couple that makes you laugh and think and ultimately will make you better. So during our conversation today, you're going to hear a lot about the importance of purpose and reflection and listening and how these two seemingly disparate lessons overlap and make a beautiful connection. I think you're going to love hearing from these two as they teach us a two-part lesson today. Find your why and listen for signals. Let's see what they can teach us. Here we go. Tessa and Tobias, how are you guys doing? Thank you for being on the Everything is Lessons podcast. Hi, Ryan. We're doing great. Good to see you again, Ryan. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, I always like to start these shows by thinking about when we uh, when we first met. And I think I've known Tessa uh, longer than anyone I've ever interviewed on the show, besides besides Jill. Wow. Um, no pressure. Kn- yeah. Well, well, Tessa, we've known each other for 22 years. Can you believe Time that? Time is crazy and cruel. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing I couldn't remember, um, Tessa, we met in architecture school, of course, uh, freshman year. And uh, yes. an amazing ride ever since. But the thing I couldn't remember was when we met Tobias. Do you remember when it was, Tobias? How long ago? I remember meeting a bunch of Tessa's friends in Kansas City for lunch. Yeah. And I know Brad was there. Was Ryan there? Or were you in? You know what? We we met you. I remember it now. We met you in Central Park. We took a jaunt from Boston down to New York. And we met you and Justin in Central Park. That was Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I went back and look at those photos and that's when we went to that really cool bar where we did like um, it had the light up floor. You remember that? We were with Jan and Jared. They were there. It was OK. Yeah, yeah it was good. It was good. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you two are amazing in so many ways. I think a lot of people will realize that uh, very quickly. Um, but I always like to uh, write something about uh, the people who I interview and just in a way to um well one thing to make sure you guys know how much i appreciate you but two 
to help people know you quickly. So I, I write this short little paragraph and then uh, we can get started. Uh, so this is what I wrote about you too. When you meet people like Tessa and Tobias, you are inspired to do two things, make something and make yourself better. These are two of the most creative and beautiful people you could ever meet, and they just happen to be married. They are basically good at everything, most of all, life. <laughs> we have known each other for over 20 years, and when you know someone that long, to remain friends uh, requires a lot of purpose. Tessa is a brilliant architect, music musician, and seamstress, thoughtful and thorough, courageous and kind. Tobias is a product designer and artist. He is engaging and energetic, dynamic, and driven. People like this are more than friends. They are inspirations. So I wrote all that to say, you two are amazing. Uh, we don't often get couple the couple podcast, but this was one I knew I had to do um, because I, I appreciate you both so much. Um, so now that people know who you are a little bit, I wonder maybe Tessa, you could start uh, by answering how you, how you all ended up in Boulder. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. That was really touching. <laughs> I don't know if we live up to all those words, um, but yeah, we um, ended up in Boulder. Um, you know, I'll tell the short version. Tobias will tell the more embellished, longer version because that's how we roll. <laughs> And he hates the way I tell stories, so. <laughs> I just fill in some of the gaps. Um, so Tobias and I um, ended up working for the same architecture firm in Kansas City. He was recruiting for the firm um, at Kansas State where we were going to architecture school. Um, he thought I was cute and interesting. Mm. And so he put my resume on the top of the pile and <laughs> we I'm ended sure up that working together. I'm sure had nothing to do with how talented you were. <laughs> the, the really interesting part, see the details, the resume folded out and there was a whole timeline of her whole, you know, kind of <laughs> oh, I remember. life at that point. And it went all the way back to being a youth and we'll, we'll get to this, but like, you know, playing music, uh, going to a conservatory, playing harp. Um, and it was just amazing after having seen n number of resumes that day that somebody took the care to tell their whole story uh, in the resume with it, that folded out and, you know, it's kind of tectonic in its own approach. So, yeah, she definitely jumped off the page in more way than one. Um, yeah, so from there we started dating. Uh, Tobias ended up moving to Boston to pursue a different career path. I followed him and then we ended up being there for about eight years where we overlapped with you and Kelly, um, which was amazing. And then another job change kind of fell into Tobias's lap. And I'm sure maybe he'll get into this a little bit with his story, but um, that was in Boulder where we ended up nine years ago and where we still are today. So that's a short version. Tobias, yeah. do you have anything to add? Just to add on there, we were living in Boston. We had just had our first child and um, I grew up in Colorado. So we were contemplating how do we move back? When do we move back? What does that look like and where do we land? And it was yeah, a series of fortunate circumstances that we ended up um, moving back to Boulder, which is you know 20 minutes from where my parents live and where my sister lives with her husband. and. Um, so just a, a lot of uh, 
I don't know, good circumstances where job and family uh, and location all kind of lined up. Yeah, I remember when um, when you told us in your in your kitchen that one day um, and we were so sad, but we were so excited to see you go because I, I know that was such a huge opportunity at all this family there and uh, it's uh, it's still so cool because I feel like even though we don't get to talk as often uh, in each other's kitchens anymore, we still uh, what I love about us is we just pick right back up. So, um, yeah. all right. So, you know, this is a podcast where we talk about lessons. Uh, when we have two people, we get a double, which is, I think, a real treat. Um, because I think when you present two lessons, especially from people who uh, are very, very close, uh, the lessons have a lot of overlap. And we'll see that tonight, I think. Um, but the other thing that's really cool about the lessons um, that you have shared that we'll talk about uh, is that they, they kind of lead us into the new year in a really productive way, I think. Uh, they give us a lot to think about and reflect on. And I think that's really, really exciting. So in a way we never plan, I never know what the, the lessons are until you all share them. But for this being the last podcast of the year, I think it's really exciting to have you two um, sharing the two lessons that you have. So uh, I'm gonna ask both of you the same question to start, um, which is what is your lesson and how did you come to learn it? So maybe Tessa, you could start. Sure. Um, my lesson is find your why. And I thought I was being original, honestly, until I Googled this <laughs> and realized there was a book already on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> so I should have done my homework and read the book, but I didn't. So that's, that's okay. part, part two of the podcast, I guess. Um, so yeah, I feel like this has more come about more recently for me. Um, it's something that has been following me around. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that I feel like I've been on a trajectory towards for a really long time. Um, so find your why, meaning like an underlying reason, a driving force, a purpose for doing the things we do, meaningful work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's still very much like a journey on that I'm on right now and that I'm exploring right now. Love that. Okay, Tobias, your lesson? Yeah, um, <clears throat> it would, it's kind of hard to do this sort of thing. Um, so thanks for, you know, asking the question and making us kind of think these deeper, these deeper thoughts, deeper questions, because it's, um, like it's kind of an ethos, I guess, for me, it's just this idea of like, listening to signals is how I try to encapsulate it in a little pithy phrase. And um, I think it's it's really similar to what Tess was talking about. Like, uh, you know, on on life's journey, you get to these big pivotal moments, uh, decisions that need to be make made. Uh, how how do you make those decisions? And so, you know, I guess it's like practice over three or four kind of big decisions, and you know, again, like n number of little decisions along the way. Like, how do how do you make those choices? And so that's. I think I've just been practicing it for my whole life and mm. it's fun to, I don't know, stop and unpack that for a little bit. So that's what uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you more about tonight. That's great. That's good. Um, okay. So we'll kind of alternate questions and then we'll, you'll see how they tie up at the end. But um, so Tessa, let's talk first about, about find your why. Um, I love what you said about uh this idea kind of following you around. I, I find that um, 
these are these are the things that I feel like we are we are supposed to do, like the things that won't leave us alone. And um, mm-hmm. I, I love that that statement of, of following me around. But but, you know, find your why really feels like um, about discovering your purpose and really making sure that uh, the way in which you live in the world is is kind of driven by passion and what you really believe you're supposed to be doing. Um, but I, I guess I was just wondering, like, how, you know, how that that idea came to you. Um, you know, I, I've heard Simon Sinek is that book you were referencing. He wrote Start With Why and then Find Your Why was the second book. But I don't know if that was really an inspiration for you. It felt like it was a little more original for how you were thinking about it. Um, but I'm wondering, like, if you felt like you have found your why uh, from like living like different life experiences or and you've kind of like honed your path along the way or it was something that you got feedback from close friends like I, I guess the question is uh how how did you find your why well I have a why now for me that's working but I don't know that I've always had a why <laughs> yeah. so um you know I think I've had some great vocational mentors along the way, and I'm currently Mm. working with a business coach. Mm. And I think um, other people can be mirrors, right? They can help us see things about ourselves that we can't always see. Mm. Um, So I like that other people can be instruments in our journey. But if I think back to like my childhood and how formative that was and how kind of unconventional it was (laughs) Mm -hmm. compared to other people um you know I think that plays a part in my story as well um there were a lot of normal things about my childhood but like the un the unconventional thing right was like I started studying classical music at a really young age and I was really good at it um you know going to conservatory when I was four studying piano studying harp you know, I think it turns out for me anyway, like studying classical music at a young age kind of set me up with an unhealthy, like why, um, mm. like fueling me towards competition, comparison, perfection, somewhere in there is like productivity wrapped up in there. <laughs> mm. um, but I would say this kind of unhealthy why pervaded into other areas of my life. And that was kind of like my why for a really long time and still until it was like um you know it's until i got myself out of that mindset i guess sure so um you know in my 20s i feel like in my architecture career i could tell like how did i get to this place right like this is not really where i want to be but how you know like i felt a little bit stuck right i was working on these big architectural commercial projects um, that felt really impersonal. Um, Mm. One such project, I was working on a $3 billion project and it was a billion dollars over budget and (laughs) (laughs) nobody seemed to care. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, part of me was like, let's just stick through it. Let's just like, you do the hard work now and eventually Mm. maybe you'll get to the place where you want to be. And then you kind of defer the happiness, right? You like, I'll just stick to it. And then eventually when I get, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, maybe then, maybe then yeah, will yeah. be the moment, right? Um, but also in my 20s, I started this um, vocational coaching pro- program with some mentors. Um, 
it was a year-long process where we studied our vocation, our purpose, our giftings um, through a spiritual lens. And yeah. um, we read books, we had discussions, um, and it was a really special moment like in that time and it was very formative, right? Um, and I think it kind of lit the spark for me that, you know, we could be happy in our careers and we could be happy doing, you know, what we've been called to do. Mm. So that was kind of the moment where it's like, oh, there's something, there's something more to this, right? But I didn't really know what yet or why, I guess. Um, so I guess what I've discovered now, like over the more recent years is like, when your why becomes something beyond yourself and like something beyond our own self-centeredness and becomes more about other people, I think mm. it has the potential to become like a very powerful driving force in your life and in our work and in our relationships. Um, so I'm currently working as a residential architect, right? Designing custom homes for people. And what I found is like, this is a very deeply personal and emotional journey for everyone. Um, so my why right now is like, I get to help people make their dreams a reality. I get to... Mm help them design a place for them to hold their most important memories. I get to make a place for them to live their lives. I get to be a part of that process and be an instrument in that, making something, sometimes like being um, with them for like multiple years in that journey. So it's it's shifting that perspective for me from, you know, instead of me being a creator, being the designer of architecture, I'm a tool a transcriber, a creator that helps manifest people's dreams. Mm. Love that. That's so good. I was writing frantically, Tessa, as you were talking. Uh, there were so many good little nuggets in there. Um, really, really good. I think the the really the thing that's really powerful about that is about this kind of shift in perspective that you had um, that helps you reframe the work you're doing and give it more meaning and more purpose right um it's not like your job changed you just saw it in a new way you know what i mean and i think that's really yes. powerful um that's very very good we're going to come back to a lot of those points um in a second uh okay. so tobias in in a similar vein it feels like listening for sing, uh, signals is somehow related to finding your why because they both feel like they're seeking purpose and they're both kind of like actively pursuing something. Um, and I guess my question for you is, how do you feel like what Tessa just talked about, about finding your why and like this kind of shifting perspective and, and developing like a very resolute purpose? Like, how is that similar to listening for signals? And then how do you feel like it's different? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I agree. I was um, struck by how similar a, a lot of the like themes are. Um, one thing that she was saying was, um, you know, self-reflection, I think is really important. And that's where, I don't know, uh, I start to identify some of these things that I, I think are important or uh, meaningful. Uh, so, you know, I, maybe it's like advice or, or just practice over time that like, um, you know, kind of restful um, self-reflection, I think is kind of essential, um, mm. both like prayer, meditation, you know, those kind of um, peaceful reflections. 
but then um, active reflections uh, for me, bicycling, you know, long kind of quiet bike rides by myself are really great opportunities. Just let your your mind kind of bubble up what's important and um, uh, what you need to be addressing. Um, and third, you know, I know you're a, a hardcore journalist. Um, for yourself, but like writing things down, you know, if it's lists, yes. if it's um, just taking some time to proactively capture your thoughts. Um, and I'll, I'll put a plug in here. Maybe if we have time, we can come back to it. But like, I, I also make these music playlists um, that are, are sort of narratives for me. Uh, to oh, make, really? Make sense of, of life. Yeah. And, that, you know, it's kind of a, a regular discipline. <laughs> it sounds pretty dorky when you think about making a playlist as a discipline but you know uh it's something it's something that helps me with um self-reflection so one thing Tessa said I think is so important too um self-reflection can just turn into rumination really easily and um can be kind of a downward spiral and, and kind of dark so uh you know feedback you know that kind of externalization is mm. Uh, so essential. So self-reflection, but then feedback. Um, and, you know, I was doing professional coaching this last year, too, and uh, Radical Candor was one of the books <laughs> that we read as a yeah. as an aspect of that. So I'm sure a lot of your audience knows about it. But, you know, in a in a four square, Radical Candor is the upper right corner where you're um, honest with other people, uh, like brutally honest but with uh, care, you know, <laughs> with love. Yeah. Uh, so it's intended for growth. And um, that kind of like just growth mindset, growth attitude is, yeah, what really what I think is is the undercurrent of finding your signals or, you know, listening to signals. So um, I'll just kind of wrap this up and we can go on with more of your questions. Uh, but the, the main theme for me, um, Similar to Tessa, and I, I don't know if there's differences uh, to your contrast I'd call out, but you know, just kind of being proactive about seeking uh, these kind of like answers or narratives, you know, storytelling in your life. Um, you, yeah, proactivity, seeking. You know, you, you have to kind of reach out for it, and then the other half of it is listen. You know, it's not like you're you're going out and telling your story. Um, you're you're kind of looking for input, and um, mm. you know, cataloging it um, so that when when it makes sense, you know, it's it's there for you to to interpret to, to decipher what's what's happening. Well, I uh, thank you. That was very well said. I I think the um, <clears throat> the thing you were talking about be, about being proactive is really what started this whole podcast thing for me and it just it was really about i was going through a lot of things and if if i didn't like distill them down into some sort of lesson it was it was feeling like they were not useful and and i think it was a lot about <clears throat> being proactive and intentional about cataloging all these experiences and trying to make them productive somehow like turning a negative experience into a lesson was not always easy, but if if I was going to do it, I would try to do it in three words so I could remember it. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of what you're talking about, like creating long spirit, like spaces where you can like really think and like really reflect on life and really kind of catalog, as you said, uh, 
it's it's kind of something that Tessa taught me with running. Like when we were in Italy yeah. studying abroad, I remember testing and I used to go on these runs. Um, and I was not like a big runner like Tessa was at that time, but we were running through the hills of Tuscany. And I remember like the first couple of times we went, Tessa, I don't know if you remember this, but I would like try to talk to you about some like Peter Zumthor article I was reading and you were like, yeah, can we just, um, can we just run? <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, it'd be great is if you stop talking and we just kind of ran um, and, and it really I'm helped me. me. No, no, no. <laughs> it, you, you were very sweet about it. It just was like I'd never I just thought like I didn't know what silence was. I didn't know the value of kind of sitting with your thoughts and kind of really thinking what, you know, figuring out what you think about something. Um, so it's interesting because I, I went right when you were talking to Tobias about the bike rides. Right. Tess, I was thinking about running through Castiglione down the big hill, like towards the chapel. And uh, we would run past that big nursery and all that stuff. And I just remember like running beside you and we would just like go. It wasn't that long, but we'd go like 20, 30 minutes without talking. And uh, it was it was really great. It was really, really great because um, you just figure a lot of stuff out. So I, I really mm -hmm. appreciate that, Tobias, about um, the intentionality you're talking about, because I. I promise I'll stop talking because this is really about you. But I, I, I just was so struck by like, if if we don't stop and take moments and take inventory, whether it's through making playlists or kind of documenting our life, I think it can get. I can. I think you can go into a downward spiral quickly. Like, what am I doing? What is this really meaningful? What all this stuff that's happening to me? But I think if we can document it, we can see the growth and we can see like. The things we've gone through and how they've changed us does that make sense oh absolutely yeah totally agree um well so tobias the the listening for signals also i think implies that you've had these kind of signature moments or milestones in your life where maybe this this lesson became really real to you like it became something that was like you talked about it as being like an ethos um but I'm wondering if you could just share maybe one or two of those experiences and and how that you talked about pivotal moments, um, how those pivotal moments like helped you live life differently. Yeah, um, perfect. Um, for me, the, the biggest moment is when I switched from practicing architecture to working at a software company um, that helps make software for architects. And um, it, it's an, for me, it's a really neat uh, narrative. We were learning a new software um, on a large project. Um, and so as a part of that new software, we got a lot of attention from the, the parent company uh, for that software. So we had some training um, by some of the key, the key people. And I, I remember um, as we were wrapping up that training, it was like, you know, a week uh, in the basement of this office and everybody kind of trying to click around and figure things out. Um, we were kind of having a wrap up uh, dinner and the the person who gave us the training said, you know, this is a, this is a big shift in the industry. Um, and if, if I were you, you know, I'd, I'd really latch onto this and, and use it as leverage for your career. Uh, and it, wow. that's that's kind of what I mean. These kind of like moments, people would kind of drop these nuggets in your lap, and you know what am what am I going to do with this? So now when I think back about it, I'm like, wow, those were those were very prescient words. Um, mm. 
And at the time as a 20 something, I'm like, cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Um, but uh, as, as part of working on the project, we just had more and more kind of contact with the, the company. They'd come into the Midwest and, and check on us. Um, so all, all that happened and, and, you know, the project completed. So the, the next project, we used the same software and that involved travel uh, to Boston. So it's kind of a liaison between our firm in Kansas City and Boston uh, and Patriots Day, which uh, maybe means nothing to <laughs> the, most of the US. But in Boston, that's the day that the marathon is run. Uh, and uh, so I was I was in Boston for it and didn't go to work that day. I went downtown to see the the, the race. And so I don't know, there's like a, a little choice, right? Like, oh, I'm in Boston for this this special uh, moment in, in time. I'm gonna take advantage of it and, and go out and see what what this is all about. And I'm I'm at a coffee shop um, and sitting next to me, I, I see somebody with curly hair and I kind of recognize them, but I'm not 100% sure they, they are one of these software people who's been coming to our office and, and coaching us. And I, I see her backpack with her and it says, you know, auto desk on it. And I was like, yep, okay, this is this is actually my friend. So I kind of just nudge her and say, hey, uh, do you remember me? And we kind of strike up a conversation and um, kind of strike up a friendship, you know, outside of work. And it's such a cool moment of like, you know, I didn't have to say, hey, um, could have just let that go by, but she was a product manager at Autodesk and, um, over the course of the the time in Boston, it, the the project wrapped up, and I was ready to head back. And you know, I was like, I'm I'm thinking about you know what's next for me. And living in Boston has been great, so moving out here would be pretty incredible. And maybe working in a software company would be a neat change, where you know projects are measured in sprints or months as opposed mm. to you know years of seeing a project come to fruition. And she said, okay, yeah, cool. We hire architects to test the software and you know help inform us that we're making the right decisions as we're developing the software. And it worked out and I ended up moving to Boston uh, several months later and I ended up convincing Tessa to also move to Boston. Um, so, you know, there, there's like so many small, you know, uh, circumstances along that continuum that I can't, you know, really explain it in mm. any other way than mm. I was open to something happening and I, I asked and, you know, it, things worked out. Well, I love I love that sentiment that um, there's no such thing as a coincidence, right? Like, I, I feel like things happen. And then, as you say, like, if we're open to uh, whatever it is that we we really think we're supposed to be doing, um, it seems like these kind of like collisions happen all the time and we can we can step into them or we could kind of shy away from them. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you hear these called like sliding door moments, like sometimes, you know, the moving sliding doors is like the person's running down the subway. Uh, the doors are about to close, but then someone like holds it open for the person to get on and then they end up falling in love. Right. Or that yeah. person just lets the door shut and then you have to wait for the next train. Um, but the, these are the kind of like sliding doors moments for you, Tobias, that I think are really interesting. Um, and again, I think I'm I'm just struck by like when you when you listen for signals, it requires you always to be actively listening. 
like you you can't be kind of passively engaged you know what i mean like you you said you said that you were you were open to something you know what i mean yeah and you know going to the for instance just going down to the patriots day um events I wasn't thinking, you know, next next fall I want to move here to Boston. <laughs> that wasn't the end wasn't in mind. It was just what's the next step that's that's interesting. And maybe worth calling out, you know, um for me it was a lot of angst uh to make that decision too, right? Like just because the opportunity was there it didn't mean that it was like, oh yeah, this is a no-brainer, I'm going to do it. Like I was dating somebody awesome in Kansas City who her whole family was in Kansas City, so like quote unquote convincing Tessa to move was not a, a small thing for me. It was like, you know, I really want to do this and I I hope that you come. Uh, but mm -hmm. I had a awesome network of friends there too um, that I built up from attending K-State and then living in Kansas City for five years with them. Uh, and there was a, you know, it's hard to leave your whole social, yeah, network and um, replant into another another place. So, um, you know, making those kind of decisions for growth, for change, um, sometimes it does involve sacrifice and uh, letting go of some some things so yeah kind of wrestling with those decisions um yeah <laughs> playlist helped uh songs helped uh kind of <laughs> make that narrative uh a little externalized for me so i yeah. still think back on those uh songs as like you know the soundtrack to that that angsty summer yeah i love that um well tessa i know you were talking a little bit about like um your background and like some of these pivotal moments that it sounds like the listen for signals um also kind of Im implies and you know you t you talked about uh being exposed to to classical music at a very young age and having kind of perfect pitch at a very very young age and having this extraordinary musical ability um something we haven't talked really about is this uh amazing thing you have called so spoke and these handcrafted clothing that you make uh beautiful dresses for my daughters all the time um but it's it's all to underscore like the the kind of find your why for you. Um, it seems like it could be a lot of things. Like you could be an architect. Uh, you could probably be a first chair musician uh, in a city symphony. You could be uh, an entrepreneur, uh, a bespoke uh, clothing business. Um, I guess what I'm I'm asking is is like, do you feel like we all need to um, kind of find one why or do you think we all kind of just move through life trying to like always be seeking does that make sense or and somehow like through through that seeking and kind of investigation of i think i'm supposed to do this or i think i'm supposed to do this like somehow we're becoming more and more wise along the way yeah i think and i think maybe i mentioned this earlier is like my why today is working for me now, right? But I don't know mm. if it's going to be working for me forever. Yeah. So yeah, I think it is like a a seeking and a reseeking. It's it's like a balancing and rebalancing and just um doing the internal work of like is this is this still working for me? Um and asking yourself those hard questions. Um you know, ultimately, one of the reasons I started sewing again several years ago was it's it kind of filled a hole for me creatively that architecture wasn't really doing at the time. 
Mm. And I feel like now more in recent times, like I haven't been sewing as much, right? Because my career has been fulfilling me more creatively. So it's that that wow. balancing, yeah. rebalancing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. If our careers aren't doing everything for us, maybe there's like something else that you can add to your life that can fill the hole or the gap, um, whether it's a hobby or exercise regime or I don't know. <laughs> um, but I is I do think it's yeah, it's a constant like questioning and recalibrating and rebalancing. Mm. And what like so Tessa, if you know this is a little off the script, but I know you can adapt with it. Um, but can you yeah. can you talk about a little bit about because I think the balancing rebalancing is really important. Um, but for me, it's re it's really hard to do. Um, but you talked about like asking these kind of questions to yourself. I mean, are they the same for you or do you have like examples of what those questions are? Um, no, I think I have like an, you, an internal gut feeling, you know, right? Yeah. yeah. Like um, I, re I recently took a new job earlier this year. You just kind of had a sense like, this isn't working for me anymore. Um, what else is out there? And something kind of fell in my lap. Um, but I think it really does take some silence of sitting with yourself and reflecting. Um, mm. And it, I don't know that I do that enough, but I can tell when I'm like not happy, right? And I think most yeah. of us can. Um, and so whether it's doing internal work or reflecting with somebody and asking those hard questions with somebody else. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a formula, but <laughs> yeah, I'd like there to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, do you find, do you find that like getting, like doing the internal work first and then kind of seeking validation through external output or input, excuse me, has been like a good pattern for you for validation? Um, I feel like sometimes I'm just very selfish and I'm like, I feel like doing X and I kind of do that. And then yeah. afterwards I realize, oh, this is kind of working. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, it's not to say I, I won't be sewing or doing architecture for forever but i think it's just i don't know i don't know that's a good question yeah no i would i i i really love the um like i think it's much easier to rationalize and to construct the narrative after decisions are made yeah. um and that's okay <laughs> yeah it's totally fine <laughs> It's kind of um, recognizing that it's sort of like uh, something isn't quite right and I'm going to try something different. Yeah, uh, I think that's like some bravery, you know, some courage um, to try. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, but I wondered how you see each other's lesson kind of reflected in your own life. So, so Tessa, for you, like how how do you see listening for signals? in your own life and Tobias for you, like how do you see, find your why in your life, if that makes sense. Um, so maybe Tessa, you could start. Um, 
Yeah. You know, I don't know that I've been open to listening for signals. Like it's something that <laughs> definitely attracted Tobias is attractive to Tobias about me, him. Um, it's like he is more free spirited. He, you know, he's open to doing new things and he's more adventurous than I am. Um, but I feel like maybe I've become a little bit more like that. I would like to say that I have just by, by being near him and being around mm. him. Um, but, you know, this this recent job change, it wasn't an easy decision. It was something, you know, I've been contemplating for a long time. But like he kind of mentioned in his story, there were some weird circumstances that kind of fell into place that had I not been kind of looking and listening, mm. um, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been as open and, and definitely having him by my side to kind of help me recognize those was very helpful. Invalidating, right? Invalidating, yeah. Because I feel like it's, it's, I love that point, Tessa, because it's like, I think we think we see things sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's so helpful to have somebody to be like, I mean, a spouse, of course. I mean, Kelly, it's this for me, 100%. But I could say something like, hey, do you think this is like a thing? And she's like, no, definitely not a thing. Uh, (laughs) uh, So you have a, it's good to have someone to kind of like a, a barometer almost like who can me- yeah. help you uh, measure um, kind of your perceptions. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, I made a note. Uh, I'm glad like the topic of validation came up because I, I I put that note down under like the seeking feedback, you know, sometimes when you ask people, um, you know, spouses excluded, you have to listen to everything they say. and <laughs> take it But you know, even just uh, pro- professional coaching, uh, just friendship, you, you ask questions, you, you hear things, and it's it's hard to know what's valid. Um, so I, I don't know, I think that's a filter I, I put on of just like, I'm going to listen, I'm going to listen, I'm going to listen. Mm. And not everything has to stick, uh, you know, um, uh, not not everything is is validated by by somebody else. So um, Maybe I can I can preemptively jump into that the second half of your question about how finding my why um, that that's that's it like what resonates what really um, does stick you know when somebody says something and it does lodge there um, for me uh, this is this is so dorky um, there's this uh, there's this uh, you know mental game called the cube have you ever done this Ryan the cube. No. It's okay. Um, Keep going. Uh, well, I'll probably get it wrong, but you, you kind of like close your eyes, you visualize, and you, you like visualize a cube, and then you're like, okay, now visualize. Is it a horse? You visualize, mm-hmm. you visualize a horse. horse. Yeah. And then you visualize a ladder. A ladder. Yeah. And um, so then you kind of describe how you visualize these things, like what their characteristics were, and you know how they related to each other, um, spatially and and everything else. Um, and for one thing that stuck, struck me from doing that exercise was the the ladder uh, was just like, you know, just kind of just up and up and up and up and it didn't have a, a top. It just kind of like floated there. And I, I picture that sometimes of a conversation leads to a conversation leads to a conversation and you just can't really predict where it will go. Um, so, so when you do kind of hear that resonance of somebody saying something that really, really impacts you, um, 
it's special. Uh, you know, it kind of uh, gets outside of that. I said continuum before. It gets outside of that continuum and really becomes like a core memory uh, mm. or, or something like that. So uh, I think I live my life more 80% of the time in the in the like, oh, what, what's happening right now? And then 20% of the time um, with the like, why is this happening right now? Mm. And um, yeah, absolutely. Tess has been very grounding for me over our 15 years of marriage. And, um, you know, the the running uh, anecdote you had, Ryan, like she's brought a lot of that into um, my day-to-day rigor and keeping myself, you know, oriented forward. Um, mm. So, yeah, there's, I don't know if I'm answering the question of, of the why, but um no definitely yeah no i think tobias i mean i think what is so beautiful about the way you both describe that is what i was hoping you would say when i when i wrote the question is that it seems like the most productive marriages or relationships are ones in which both people kind of become the same person and i know that's kind of a biblical Mm -hmm. principle but but that's really what it means i think it's like you're becoming more and more like the other person and you're kind of smoothing out the weaknesses or the the things you don't quite see that the other person helps illuminate in your own life and then hopefully you might be able to do the same for them and and you both said that um and i and i just love that because i think that's what makes you so dynamic as a pair is because uh tobias is kind of adventurous adventurous adventurousness adventurosity um <laughs> his sense of adventure uh has has kind of pulled this amazing part of Tessa out that maybe I didn't know in college. And and it seems like Tessa, your your incredible thoughtfulness and kind of groundedness uh can help a free spirit kind of be realistic. <laughs> Yay, we passed. <laughs> A clever question. <laughs> clever well, question. well written. Um, okay, good. Well, this has been this has been so great. I can't. We've already been almost talking an hour, which is amazing. Um, I just have one more question, and I and I I think this is a good one because uh, I think people will hear this, and I think they will be very compelled to to kind of pause and think, and I think they're going to uh, hopefully. At this moment, I love this time of the year, especially uh, not just because Tessa's birthday is coming up, but um, <laughs> uh, but because the it's it's this time very reflective time of year, and I, I think people are going to hear this lesson about listening for signals, and I think they're going to be inspired to look back at their year and see like what the pivotal moments were, like when they were really open and when they really listened, and how that impacted their kind of daily life. And I think people also hear the kind of find your why and say, am I am I living in a very kind of purposeful and meaningful way that has um, others in mind? And and I think those two things coming at this time of year are really, really fruitful. Um, but I'd like to make this last part practical. And, and I think some people will be compelled by that, but they may not know where to begin with either of those lessons. So. I was hoping that each of you could could share some advice for someone who may be struggling uh, 
struggling to listen for signals or struggling to find their why, and maybe you could give them a kind of hopeful message uh, at the end here. So maybe Tobias, we start with you this time. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I would start super practical. <laughs> I remember during the uh, pandemic, uh, you know, started working from home and, you know, just trying to find any kind of rhythm. And I started just doing like some stretches every morning, even though, you know, I didn't need to, uh, you know, the, you kind of lost the normal routine of, uh leaving driving or commuting you know getting to an office and and leaving home stuff at home and then becoming you know work persona and so just doing um you know just kind of a daily ritual uh, and for me like a yoga stretching thing was perfect because it was physical mm -hmm. and you, know, you could set some intentfulness for the day and um that was great so just any kind of daily routine you can you can start to build around and i don't want to steal tessa's thunder but you know she runs almost every morning uh and when she doesn't i can totally tell so uh, you know if it's if it's running cool if it's yoga cool just do something every day that gives you a, a little bit of space to um, let your let your mind unpack and, and set some intent mm. very good that's what would you say? Well, I wasn't going to say running, so that's great. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking more um, current times. It's like the business coach has been a game changer for me where you have that external kind of neutral person to, you know, be the perspective shift or to see things in a different light. Um, mm. So mm. I know if if you have that opportunity to kind of have someone that can parse through career stuff with you i think that's a game changer and i know probably for you as well tobias since that's something you're currently doing um yeah i think it's an invaluable resource so the other part i loved about it is um the accountability of like oh i'm going to meet with that person you know in a couple days so what are we going to talk about and it yeah. makes you do your homework you know um and then you stop and you're preparing for the conversation but you're just you know thinking about yourself <laughs> which is uh again you're like setting aside some space to think about yourself but it's great um i don't know it, yeah sometimes you just need a reason and accountability to do it yeah absolutely well i think um well thank you both for that i i think today i've just i've taken so many notes about um about these lessons and i think the two things that really stuck out to me that kind of bind them together in a in a really beautiful way is a kind of posture that we need to take um one just to kind of open ourselves up and create space for us to kind of be still and to think and to be kind of silent and reflect um but also that that in order to take that posture it requires some discipline you know what i mean it requires some intention uh, Tobias, you're talking about being consistent with the daily kind of stretching or whatever it is for you. Um, mm -hmm. But also, you know, Tessa, what you're saying about having, you know, the ability to relate to others and, and seek input to see things in a different light, because I think otherwise we're just in our own kind of echo chamber uh, trying to do life as best we can. 
but but often like when we can relate to a spouse or someone who we really trust uh they can reveal you know something quite positive in our lives definitely um okay well guys this was this was terrific <laughs> thank you so much we covered a lot of territory very quickly uh but I, I really can't thank you enough for taking time. Uh, it's always a pleasure to, to catch up. And uh, thank you for being so inspiring to everybody. Thanks, Ryan. It's been great. Yeah, thank you for the invitation, Ryan. Uh, it was a little stressful anticipating the conversation, but uh, it's so fun talking with you. Thank you for thank you for the smiles. No problem. We'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed that beautiful dialogue between Tessa and Tobias and really appreciated the posture that both lessons required, one of awareness and and openness and, and one of purpose and intention. I mean, it seems to find your why is to discover your reason or your driving force, your path toward meaning, as Tessa suggested. To find your why is to, to shift your perspective toward others and to find a, a vocation worth pursuing, a story worth living. And, and to listen for signals, Tobias really taught us about seeking silence and, and finding places where you can reflect on life to, to understand the pivotal moments in front of you and then really to process them in a systematic way. And as we close out the year, I wondered how these lessons may resonate with you. Uh, I wrote down a few prompts from Tess and Tobias's conversation. Uh, I thought I would share those with you as we as we close out. The first one is about intention, intention, and it's really about identifying what was the purpose or the meaning behind what you do or how you live, and and what was your purpose in 2022 if you were to look back. And then as you look forward, what would it be in 2023? The second question is about posture. And that is really about what Tobias talked about being open to listen and to hear uh, what 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 is it that is next for you. And finally, the third one is about rhythm. And rhythm is really about being consistent, about carving space, for silence in your life. So I, I, I would challenge you to, to close out the year as we pause a bit before we uh, start these back up again in the new year, but to really think about intention and posture and rhythm in light of today's discussion. So please reach out. Let us know how these conversations uh, are resonating with you. We always love hearing uh, what you're learning or how it's helping you through your own journey. Uh, We will be back in the new year. We have five episodes left. We're about the halfway point. Um, But hopefully you found each of these conversations to be full of meaning, waiting to be applied. We will see you in the new year. And until then, this is the Everything is Lessons podcast.